right and wrong? What do these really mean? And how do we know the truth? Here's Pastor David. I'm very excited about week two of Seeking Skeptics. You know, I like to preach on this kind of stuff because I think that it's important that believers, that Christians, give reasons for the hope that's within them. That they give reasons that they're reasonable, that they know how to use logic, that they know how to think. We're the ones who believe that God made us in his image and likeness and gave us a mind and that we're able to think, that we're able to work through things, that we understand things like order and patterns and math and logic and science and things like that. And so for those who want to say that Christian belief is the opposite of science, I say not true. Not true. In fact, the modern scientific method was primarily derived at by Christians. Um, it's, it's Christians who believe that there's order to the universe, who set their paradigm as one where the universe would be ordered because we believe that God was orderly and that therefore we could do experiments and therefore we could see that if water boils every time at 212 degrees at sea level, it probably means that that's a law of nature, one set by God, right? And so because Christians believe that, we're able to look at those things that way. And so the idea that Christian believers are anti-intellectual, the idea that Christians don't want to think, don't want to address the tough issues, it's just not true historically. And it's not true here at Acts Church. And we welcome you if you're a skeptic, if you're skeptical, if you're seeking truth. Uh, this is the place to be because I love interacting with those who are skeptical. We believe that you're going to have questions about the reliability of the Bible, about the Christian faith, because we know that you can read and that there are things in here that are tough to understand and difficult. And so, therefore, you're going to have some, some objections, some, some what's that about type stuff. You ought to. You ought to, if you're a thinking person, you ought to take uh, serious uh, stock of what your own mind is doing, what your own mind is believing. You ought to be analyzing, self-reflecting about the things that you believe and whether they're true and whether you have good evidence to believe the things that you believe as well as worrying about whether we have good evidence to believe the things that we believe. But what we're saying is, hey, listen, we'll go first. We'll go first. I'll give you the evidence for what we believe, for what we believe. Last week, we talked about exclusivity. You know, before this whole thing uh, started, I sent out a couple questions. What's your biggest objection to belief in God? What's your biggest objection to belief in the Christian faith? And I got all kinds of stuff back. A lot of you put that on Facebook or texted your friends that were skeptics or atheists or agnostics, and they sent back a bunch of stuff. Some of that stuff revolved around the idea that the Christian faith is exclusive. In other words, Christians think that they're right and that where there's contradiction, everybody else is wrong. We do. We do. Um, but we talked last week, and if you get a chance, that's on the website at seekingskeptics.com. We talked last week about how there's nothing abnormal about that. I mean, in fact, every person who believes anything believes that where that thing contradicts something else, that they're right and the other person's wrong. That's what the word believe means. That you believe something is true. If you believe it's true, then you believe its opposite is untrue, right? And so there's nothing strange or rude or intolerant about Christians or anyone else believing that they're right about something other people is wrong. The question is not that. The question is, what is the evidence? The question is, what is there that you are basing your truth claim on? Do you have evidence? And so we talked about a standard, standard for belief, right? And I said that you, if you're a skeptic or a Christian, you should have a standard for belief. I talked about being an attorney. That's what I used to be before I got saved. No, I was saved when I was an attorney, but... Um, 
<laughs> I know that's strange. Um, there were three of us. But the, the fact is, is that um, when I was an attorney, when we go into court, we'd always have a standard for the evidence. It might be clear and convincing evidence. It might be a preponderance of the evidence. It might be beyond a reasonable doubt, right? And so we'd have a standard, and we had to provide enough evidence to get over that standard, or we lose. That's the way it works, right? There's a standard for evidence. We all do that. We all have to have a certain amount of evidence in order to believe something. So I talked about the fact that you should have a standard in your mind going into something like this, going into a Seeking Skeptic series, going into reading a book, going into whatever it is that you're dealing with, that you already have a standard for what it's going to take to convince you that something is true. And once you have that standard, you should not move it. You should not move the goal once something starts to get uncomfortable, once something starts to get to the point where, no, 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 I, I want to hold on to this belief. That's fine if you do that, but recognize you're not doing that because the evidence leads there. You're doing that because you want to. And so make sure that you have a standard and that you set it. The other thing is this. Evidence is cumulative, okay? It adds up. You add it together. We find people guilty beyond a reasonable doubt in trials that take weeks or even months sometimes. Now, why is that? Because one quick piece of evidence won't work to raise the level of certainty up to beyond a reasonable doubt, right? Evidence has to accumulate. It is very rare that there will be one or two pieces of evidence when the trial requires a high degree or a high standard for evidence, that there will be one or two pieces that would meet that standard, right? It takes uh, science, uh, endless experiments in order to yield the same result every time so that they can come to believe that we found a law in nature. Uh, it takes history, multiple sources and relics and remains and all kinds of stuff in order to form beliefs about what happened in the past. And in the law, it takes physical evidence, documentary evidence, testimonial evidence, witnesses, right? And old plain, you know, common sense and reason in order to form our beliefs, right? And so um, I put the call out to a couple for a couple questions. Um, and the two questions that I told you, are, what was your biggest objection to belief in God? And what is your biggest objection to the Christian faith? One of the people who answered this call, and I appreciate everyone who did, who, who was willing to share their skepticism, who was willing to share uh, their concerns or their objections, this person said this, sometimes Christians act as though everyone who doesn't follow their religion have no moral values. Sometimes Christians act as though everyone who doesn't follow their religion, or everyone who's not a Christian, or everyone who doesn't believe in God, has no moral values. And they went on to say this. They said, I work at a Christian-run nursing home. And once the administrator said something in a staff meeting that bothered me, and I've heard from Christians before, you can't have compassion, love, or peace without following God. I don't like that elitist way of thinking. Just because I'm not religious doesn't mean I don't care about people. This was this person's objection. Here's the thing. I completely agree with this person. Just because a person is not religious does not mean they do not care about people. Just because someone does not believe in God does not mean they do not know the difference between right and wrong. Here's what the Bible says. This is Romans 2, 14 through 15. So this is the Christian position on this. It says, for when Gentiles, okay, these are pagans, unbelievers, heathens, right? For when Gentiles who do not have the law, they don't have the Bible, they don't know any of that stuff, by nature do the things in the law, 
These, although not having the law, are a law to themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves their thoughts accusing or else excusing them. So what is this verse saying? It's saying that whether you have the Bible, whether you believe in God, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, you have a conscience and the law is written on your heart. So this person who has this objection is absolutely right. A person can care about others without believing in God. They absolutely can. They can act morally. They can do things that are right. The question is not whether they can act morally. The question is why an atheist or an unbeliever would act morally. Why would they? What's binding them to do that? Okay, and so we have to work through that issue. We have to work through that issue. We're going to study what some people refer to as the moral argument for the existence of God. I'm going to call this the problem of good. The problem of good. Uh, Later we'll talk about an objection to the existence of God that I'll call the problem of bad. That'll be another another, uh, sermon, but this one is about the problem of good, the problem that good exists. Um, So the problem of good is an objection to atheism. The problem of bad or the problem of evil is an objection to theism. Atheism is the belief that there is no God. Theism is the belief that there is a God. Okay, Um, But for today, let's slice in to the problem of good. First, there is a difference between saying unbelievers do not have any moral values and saying unbelievers do not have a basis or grounding for their moral values. Okay, those are different statements. To say someone doesn't have any, which is to say they don't, they're not moral, they don't act morally, they don't, think, they don't know what's right, they don't know what's wrong, is a different thing than to say they may know or believe that these things are right or wrong, but they have no basis or grounding to believe that. Okay, so the Bible makes it clear that everybody has a conscience, so that's what believers believe, Um, and their conscience, what? Accuses them when they do bad things and excuses them when they do good things. People show by their actions and the things that they say that they understand that there is such a thing out there as right and wrong. The problem for those who deny that God exists is that such a belief provides no basis, okay? Atheism provides no basis for believing that there's any such thing as good and bad that exists outside of your own mind or your own preferences, okay? If all that exists is the universe, that's all there is. The universe is all there is, all there was, and all there ever will be. And the universe obviously has no purpose. It just is, so it has no purpose other than to exist. And we're simply products of random chance within that universe. Then All we can talk about is what we want or what we desire or what exists or what is. We could never talk about what ought to be because that implies a standard outside of the system. Okay, so for an atheist to call something bad or to call something good could never refer according to their philosophy, okay? I'm just saying according to their philosophy. I recognize that this is not the way it works in people's minds, but according to their philosophy, for an atheist to call something bad or to call something good could never refer to anything beyond that particular atheist's judgment about what they happen to prefer, okay? Whatever she happens to prefer is what she's calling good. Whatever she happens not to prefer is what she's calling bad, okay? Let's, let's slow down because I know that's, that's a big statement, so let's walk this out a little bit. Here's, let's start working through the argument for the problem of good. Okay, first I want to be clear about what we're talking about. The first truth statement we are making here is this. 
There are such things as an objective good and an objective evil. There are such things as an objective good and an objective evil. What does objective mean in this context? Because that's a word that can mean different things in different contexts. Objective is a philosophical term in this context, and this is what it means. Something exists objectively if it exists in reality, whether or not anyone perceives it. It is not dependent on the belief of any individual, okay? An objective fact, an objective truth is a truth or a fact that exists out there. It doesn't matter whether you believe in it or not or whether I believe in it or not. It is what it is. So like the moon, okay? The moon exists objectively. Conspiracy theorists, we can talk later, but I'm just going to say there's a moon. It exists objectively, okay? Even if we were unable to see it because there are clouds in our way or whatever, the moon is still there. It's still there. It does not depend on my belief in it to exist. I cannot make the moon stop existing by saying there is no moon. I have no power to do that. It exists outside of me. It's objectively real. Okay, objective is distinguished from subjective. Something exists subjectively if it depends on an individual for its existence. Okay, an example of a subjective belief would be something like the belief that country music is pleasant to listen to. That's a subjective belief, okay? It depends on the individual whether they subjectively find country music to be pleasant to listen to. This has nothing to do with whether country music is good or bad. That would be something, that would be making some kind of objective statement. The subjective statement is about whether it's pleasant for you to listen to it or not, okay? Um, And so there is such a thing as objective good and objective evil. They exist outside. It doesn't matter whether you believe that's that there's good or evil. They exist, whether you want them to or not, okay? It does not depend on the opinion of you or me or any other individual. Some things are good. They actually are good, not you prefer them. They actually are good, and some things are evil, okay? For instance, it is objectively good to help save innocent babies from a burning house. It's objectively good. It's good. Whether you believe it's good or not, it's good. It is objectively evil to burn down a house full of innocent babies. Okay? Now, if you disagree with those statements, you can actually consistently object to the argument that I'm going to present. But there's something objectively wrong with you. Okay? Because, seriously, (laughs) because if you think that there's nothing objectively evil about burning houses full of innocent babies, then there's something that's a little askew about the way that you view morality, okay? And I'd love to talk more about it. Um, I'd like some distance between us when we do that. Um, <laughs> maybe like the glass thing. Usually the people that thought that kind of stuff I talked to on the other side of glass when I was a lawyer. So we all understand that those statements are respectively objectively good and objectively evil. In all places, at all times, for all people. If you're still with me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give a name to the objective truths behind what we call good and right, okay? The things that we call good and right have objective truths behind them, okay? Um, The reason behind why we ought to do what is objectively good and right is because there are such things as objective moral values and duties. 
That's the term we're going to use, objective moral values and duties. Objective moral values and duties are the values and duties that provide the objective standard for what is right and wrong, good and evil. Okay, They're the standard. You shouldn't harm. Standard. It's an objective moral duty. You ought not to harm people. You ought not to harm innocent babies. Objective moral duty. It doesn't matter whether you agree with me on that. It's true. It's true. That's why, we, that's why we hung Nazis. Because Hitler said, hey, I think it's right to kill all these people that I don't like. I think that I'm doing something objectively good by trying to make a master race or whatever the heck was going on inside his crazy brain, right? And then people said, the people that were under him said, I was just following orders. And we had these trials at Nuremberg and we said, you can't say I was just following orders because it doesn't matter what Hitler said. It was objectively evil to do the things you did, and we're going to hold you responsible for it. And of course we did, because the things he did were objectively evil, right? We believe this. This is something we believe. Secular people, Christian people, whoever they are, we all believe that right and wrong are real things, okay? So if I say we should have a law that all people with brown hair should be imprisoned, someone will answer that such a law is bad, because it discriminates based on something someone cannot control. Although some of you ladies tend to control brown hair, blonde hair, black hair, purple hair, whatever. Okay? Um, but I might then answer, well, people with brown hair are inherently dangerous. And I might be wrong about the facts, right? That's not true. But, but I'm still, with my skewed facts, I'm still making an appeal to a moral value. I made a statement, they made a moral objection, and then I tried to argue with them that in fact my, I did not go off from the moral standard. In fact, I'm, I'm going to the different moral standard. I think these people are dangerous, and so I'm trying to protect people. A different moral standard. That's what we do. We argue about the standard. No one says, well, who cares what you think? I've decided to do this evil thing, and, and, there's, and who cares? Unless you're a sociopath, there's something else that we recognize as wrong with you, right? Inherently wrong in your brain. Or else you see these things as clearly as everybody else does, right? If you take my wallet, I'm going to tell you that stealing's wrong, right? I'm not going to tell you that it hurt my feelings. I might tell you that because it probably would, to be honest with you, okay? But that's not what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to say, it's wrong for you to do that. What am I doing? I'm appealing to an objective standard, not just it's illegal that you did that. That's, that's down here. I'm going to say it's wrong that you did that. Now, you might come back to me and say, hey, my family's starving. And I have a moral duty to take care of my family, an objective moral duty. And so I stole your wallet. Now, what's happened here is we have an argument. Both of us are appealing to standards of morality. I'm saying it's wrong to steal. This person's saying it's wrong for me not to feed my family. This is the only way I saw to be able to do that. I say next time ask, right? Um, but we go through this and we talk about it morally. I don't say stealing is wrong. And he goes, what are you talking about? You mean you don't like it? What do I care? No one talks like that. No one talks like that because we all recognize that we're appealing to objective moral values and duties. Okay? All right. So the argument goes like this. This is the argument. Okay? The problem of good. This is the moral argument for the existence of God. It says this. If God does not exist, objective moral values and duties do not exist. Objective moral values and duties do exist. Therefore, God exists. 
You'll want to be sure and join us next time as Pastor David continues this look at the problem of good. And if you find that this kind of practical biblical teaching is something you'd like more of in your own life, come see us here at Acts Church this Sunday morning. All the info you need is just a click away at actschurchnw.org or give us a call at 360-885-9000. Hope to see you this Sunday and also right here for our next episode here on Contemplate.